Hi, everybody. Good morning. Wow, look, it's kind of full. It's good to see everyone this morning. How are you? October the 6th, next Saturday, we're having um, Basic Rock. It's a real wonderful introduction to our church. Um, if you haven't been, or even if you have, it would really be a, a good for you to come. Um, just to kind of rub elbows with other people. It also gives you an idea of what we stand upon as a body of believers, what we believe in and what, what uh, we, we, we believe to be true and what we establish our church upon. So you get to know some of the staff people, some of uh, the people in the church. And, and here's the most important reason to come. We're going to have lunch. You can't, <laughs> you can't beat a good church lunch. So we'll have something to eat. If you would, please, in the foyer, would you sign up and let us know you're coming so that we can have enough food? Um, worst thing to do is let staff go hungry. It's not good. It's not good. Anyways, please uh, come next Saturday. You'll see more information in the foyer for you to come and be a part. Would you turn with me, please, into the book of Acts, the 20th chapter. You know, it's, um, it's amazing me how this, this is growing and how this whole uh, idea of the church is, is growing out of the heart of God to, uh, to us as believers. I believe that this message that I'm trying to um, formulate in, in our hearts these past few weeks um, is as important a message as, as any church could ever receive. Here's why. Paul is on his last time that he's going to spend in, in, in Ephesus. He is called by God through the Spirit of God to go to Jerusalem. He knows that bonds and afflictions await him there, and yet he still desires to go. That's his heart, to be where God wants him to be. He figures what all of us should figure, and that is the safest place to be is where God wants him to be, regardless of what might appear on the outside. And so he's going to go there. In fact, they're begging him, begging him, stay. Please stay, Paul, please. The reason I know that is look what he says in the next chapter, the 13th verse. Look at chapter 21. This is just a throw-in. Look at verse 13. He asked them, what are you doing weeping and breaking my heart? In other words, they're asking him, please stay, please stay, please stay. He says, why are you weeping and why are you breaking my heart? He says, I am ready not only to be bound, but even to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. Paul, that gives us a little more insight into the heart of Paul, what made him such a special man. Why I believe God could entrust so much to Paul is Paul's faithfulness back unto the Lord. Don't stop me from going. Don't stop me from going. This is where God has called me. I know it. And I'm going even though bonds and afflictions might, might not might, will, 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 will find me there. Stop weeping for me. Stop breaking my heart. Let me go in peace. I'm ready to be bound unto the, if, if need be for the Lord. I'm ready to die if need be for my Lord. And that's the heart of Paul. This week, today, we're going to have communion as soon as the service is at near the end. We're going to try and do this more often. I mentioned that to you last week. We had a really a busy week, and so it was hard for us to kind of put it all together and have communion. And so we will have it, and we'll try to have it more often. And uh, don't be afraid to ask me if, if, if I let us a week or time or sometime slip by without us having communion. Come up and, and say, can we have communion again? And I promise you we will. Um, 
The reason being is that it is essential for us as a church to, to, to remember what Jesus Christ did for us upon the cross. And that's what communion is really all about, remembering Him. So what I want to ask you to do, if you would, during this service is kind of think about, prepare your hearts, if you would, during this service to kind of uh, to have communion with one another in, in remembrance of the Lord. Now let's, let's take a look at Paul's heartbeat for the church. And let's not look at it as what he said to the church at Ephesus. Let's look at it what he says to us. See, one thing that we have learned as a body of believers, we've learned, we've learned that the Lord God has given us orders as a church. And all churches are to function as, as close to this, this model that our Lord gave to the apostles. And that is to be a, a group of people that are continually devoted to the things of God continually devoted to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship with one another, to communion, which we'll have today, and to prayer. And so we want to function as a church like this. And what Paul is saying now as his last statement to these people, because look at verse 25, and we'll read it in a moment, but look at verse 25. He says, Behold, I know that all of you among whom I went about preaching the kingdom will see my face no more. Paul is is going to leave. And they're not going to see him anymore. I could only imagine how, how heartbreaking that would be, especially my heart. If, if someone was to tell me that I had to leave here and not be with you anymore, it, I would weep. It would, I would, it would break my heart. Especially if you came to me and said, John, where are you going? There's going to be bonds and affliction. I might say, I think I'll stay. <laughs> I don't know that I'm as tough as Paul. Last week we talked about uh, finishing our course. We talked about the course that our Lord God has given to every single one of us. Each of us. If you have trusted in Jesus Christ as your Lord and as your Savior, there are no exceptions. Every single one of us has been given a particular gift to use to build up the body of Christ. I want you to see this. Look with me, please, at Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 and 12. Hold your place in Acts. I'll come back and we'll read in our text in a moment. But in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 and 12, Paul makes mention that God gave some as apostles, God gave some as prophets, God gave some as evangelists, some as pastors and teachers. But that's just a, a portion, just a small portion of the gifts that God has poured upon the church, poured out upon the church. And it is my contention, my belief, I strongly believe that every single one of us is essential to help do what God has called us to do as a body of believers. And verse 12 nails it. He has given these gifts within the body for the equipping of the saints, so as to equip you and me. For what reason has He equipped us? For the work of service, so that we may do what God has called us to do with the particular gift or gifts that He has given us within the body. And here's the reason why we do the work of service, so that we might build up the body of Christ. And it is my contention that none of us is more important than the other. You've heard me say this all the time. And, and I, I look upon the, whoever would be the senior pastor. He is no more important than anyone else in this church. The gifts that we do, the things that we do for the cause of Christ to build up the body, to, to, to equip the body... God has given you and me gifts so that we might fit together and, and just help one another 
Encourage one another. You know, I, I've been in ministry long enough that I hear, you know, people will come to me because I'm kind of up front. They might come to me more than they do you. I, I'm trying to get us out of that habit, uh, that this, this person up here is no more special than anyone else. But I, I love hearing from you, so I do. And I heard from one guy said, you know, I was driving my car, just, just going, minding my own business, driving my car, and there's some guy out there on the road that has a hat on with a, a, a propeller on the top of this darn hat. And had some lights on that thing. And he's waving me in. So I come in. <laughs> Came into church. Said he felt such a warmth in this place. He just felt a, a warmth amongst the people that were here. And he came back and he came back. And God touched his heart and God used Dave. He didn't use me. God used Dave to, to bring him in, to in, Encourage him in the way that God has gifted him to do that through his wonderful sense of humor, through his caring for people. And that's what we're to do. We're to finish that course that our Lord God has given us so that we might equip one another, so that we might encourage each other to do the work of service that, that God's called us to do in our area of giftedness so that we might finish the course and we would in in that respect, build up the body of Christ. Paul finished his course simply, as we said last week, simply by just being one thing, doing one thing, and that is being faithful. That's, all, that, that's what Paul had. Everything else that he was given was given to him by God. He, he made mention of that, Paul did. What he did, though, was, was faithful to what God called him to do. And I reasoned with you last week, as I did the week before, that you and I can know our course. We can know what God has called us to do by simply just getting busy and starting to do something for the Lord. By being faithful. He will, in time, more than likely, sooner than later, show you what your course is and how you might run it. So that you might equip people. Encourage one another so that you might grow and help others to grow and mature in their faith. Well, today, Paul tells us what a faithful servant of God looks like as we attempt to finish the course that we have. You know, of course, that the course that you have is not the same that I have. We all have different courses. It's all up to God. It's, it's His call, the we don't have a say-so in it. The length of our course, the, the difficulty of it, the time that is spent within it, our race, the finish line basically is our going home to be with the Lord. That's, that's all up to God. He has numbered the days that you and I have on this earth. All he asks for you and for me is to be faithful with the time that he has given us to run the course, the race that he has before us. So my encouragement to you, as it is to myself, is don't waste our time. Now, let's read this wonderful place in Scripture. Start with verse 22 and read to verse 32. And in and there, Paul mentions to those people in, in, in Ephesus how to, how to take care of the church because he's leaving them. Watch what he says in verse 22. I know we went, we've already studied these verses. I'm going to start today in verse 25, but um, 
I want to go back to verse 22. Paul says, and now behold, bound in spirit, I'm on my way to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit solemnly testifies to me in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions await me. He says in verse 24, but I do not consider my life of any account as dear to myself in order that I might finish my course and the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify solemnly of the gospel of the grace of God. Verse 25, Now, behold, I know that all of you among whom I went about preaching the kingdom will see my face no more. Therefore, verse 26, I testify to you this day, I am innocent of the blood of all men. I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole purpose of God. Verse 28, he says, Be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. I know, he says in verse 29, After my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves, men will arise, speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, he says, be on the alert. Remember that night and day for a period of three years, I did not cease to admonish each one with tears. And now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. What he does, ultimately, is he commends, he gives them over to the Lord and to the Word, which is able to build them up, to give them an inheritance, and sanctify or set them apart. That's his call upon these dear people. Let's see what it means to you, to us. This day. Let's pray. Father, please, as we prepare our hearts for communion, would you please do what you do so well, Father, and that is bless us. Open up our eyes and our hearts and our minds that we might behold wonderful things from your word. The very word that Paul says he commended the church to in Ephesus. The same thing he would say to us if he were to leave us. Dear Father, would you please hide the one that gives the message? Allow us to have the very greatest privilege of all, and that is to see your word as if given to us from you, so it might minister to our hearts, so that we might sense as we prepare our hearts for this time of communion, remembering all that your Son, Jesus Christ, did for us upon the cross. May we, Father, take these words, May they minister to our hearts, knowing that they've come from you, not some speaker. Please, dear Father, do us that blessing. We pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. In verse 25, where I said I'd like to begin, Paul says what I believe to be very sad words. In other words, he says, you won't see me anymore. You will not see my face anymore. Now, I take that to be sad. I think Paul... Even though it saddened him, I think it excited him that he was going to go to Jerusalem. 
even though that bonds and afflictions have faced him. Because as he said in the 21st chapter, as I had you read in verse 13, he says, look, don't weep for me. Don't break my heart. I'm going. If, if I'm going to be put in bonds, if, even if I'm to be put in death, I want to go there for the name and for the sake of my Lord and my Savior Jesus Christ. He knew where he was to be. And he was to be under the banner of God because that would be the safest place he could be. Safest place. But he said to them, as he was about to leave, he kind of wipes the slate clean, if you'll note, in verse 26. He said the same thing to them that Ezekiel said in the 33rd chapter. We've read Ezekiel quite a few times, verses 7, 8, and 9. He said this, I testify to you this. I testify this in verse 26. I am innocent of the blood of all men. You see, what Paul did for them was the greatest blessing that anyone could ever do for a group of people. Paul did not mince words. He told them the whole gospel of Jesus Christ. He allowed them to hear all the truth, whether it be difficult to hear or really encouraging to hear. He told them both and all of it so that as an adult, they could make a decision on their own whether they would follow God or not. And so it gave him the right to say to them, I'm innocent of all the blood here. I did what God called me to do. In, in Ezekiel chapter 33, let me read it to you and remind you again, starting in verse 9. Excuse me, verse 7. God is speaking to the people of Israel. And he is speaking to the person who has been appointed the watch person. But in our case, all of us have that ministry. All of us have, you're going to see in a moment, we all have been called to take care of the church that God has given to us and to take care of one another. And so God speaks to the person, the watch person in Israel, and he says, as for you, son of man, he says, I have appointed you a watchman for the house of Israel. So, God says, you will hear a message from my mouth, says God. It's going to come from me. This is why we do this here at this church. This is why we preach this to the church. We, we want you to hear the message that comes from God's mouth, not mine. Not my idea of what is right or wrong. Not my ideas of, of what a religious church ought to look like. But God's idea. We want to say what has come from His mouth. He says in verse 7, Give them a warning from me. This is my mouth, my words, my warning. You tell them. And then he says these words in verse 8. When I say to you, when God says, I say to the wicked person, oh, wicked person, you're going to die. And you don't say it. You don't tell them what I've said. You don't warn the wicked person from their ways. That wicked person is going to die in their iniquity. And they're going to die in their sin. But I'm going to require their blood from your hand. Oh my gosh, if anybody was going to preach or anybody's going to teach or anyone's going to be a part of a church, we do not want to water down or, or take away the things that God says so that we might make a person feel more comfortable. God says, no, you tell them. When I say, when I say what I say, you tell them as it's from me and let me deal with them. Otherwise, he says, I'll require their blood from your hand. But on the other part, he says, 
if, in verse 9, if on your part you warn the wicked person, you warn them to turn from their way and they do not turn from their way, they're going to die in their sin, but you have delivered your own life. And so Paul says to them what I try to preach here at this church, and that is we're going to tell you the whole gospel. We're going to Thank you. I love you for that. We're going to tell you the whole gospel. We're going to preach every bit of it because we figure you're an adult. You'll know two and two is four, and you'll know whether you want to add it up to be four or not, and you'll know whether you want to walk that way or not. It's your decision, as you're going to see in a moment. We can't force you to do it. But what we can do, what we can do is tell you the truth and allow you to deal with that in your life. So Paul's finishing his course was to warn everyone he could of the damnation that awaits them if they do not turn to Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Therefore, he says in verse 26, I'm innocent. I'm innocent of your blood at least. Because, he says in verse 27, look, I didn't shrink away from declaring to you the whole purpose of God. In other words, the whole word of God's truth, I told you. And, and it's your decision to follow it. Since he said, this is what I've done for you, now he's going to say, this is what I want you to do for yourselves and for the church. Verses 28, 29, 30, 31, and 32. It is critical that you and I understand these things. You and I have had the privilege that we have heard, as best we know how, the whole counsel of God's Word. And we have either made a decision or we're in the process right now of thinking whether we're going to make that decision or not. That's between you and the Lord. But we are, as a church, innocent of the blood of all people. And we've told you the truth. The best we know, we told you the truth. And so then Paul, in verses 28 to 30, charges the church to maintain a priority in their life. And look, it's really simple. You're going to see it. In fact, you probably already have. First priority is to themselves. The first priority that Paul lays out is their own walk with Jesus Christ. He says in verse 28, be on guard for who? What does it say? For yourself. Be on guard for yourself. That's his first call to them. The reason being is the first priori priority for everybody here is your own personal relationship with God. Your growth in Christ is your growth in Christ. Nobody can make you. But on the other hand, no one can stop you. You can grow in a great and personal, deep and, and rich relationship with God. And that comes through a thorough understanding and study of the Word of God. That's why as this church, we ask you on an ongoing basis to daily read your Bible. To read through the Bible in a year. And not just one year, but every year to read through the Bible so that the Bible can start ministering to your heart and you can learn new and deeper things year after year after year as you read through the Bible. You and I, the reason that Paul says to you and me, be on guard for yourself, is because that you and I cannot take anybody any further than our own personal growth in Jesus Christ. 
And so he says to them, take care of yourselves first. Be on guard for your own self. Therefore, I am saying to you, as I say to myself, we, you and me, we are to grow up as Christians. And that can only happen, folks, through a thorough study of the Word of God. Then, you and I will be what it says we ought to be in, a, in, in, in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 12. We then become a people who help equip one another for the work of service that God has called us to do so that we can run our course so that we might by the grace of God, build up this, the body of Christ, as God so has graciously given to us. You see, none of us here are ready to face the pressures of this day in which we live any further than what we have in our faith and trust in God. You have to grow. Just this week, one of my really great friends from high school, his mother just passed away. She was in her middle 90s. And he called me, and it was, it was, it was a good thing. He was, you know, she would suffered pretty much the last couple of years. Anyways, my, my real great buddy that I, I've played baseball with for most of my career and roomed with him when we, when we were on the same team together, he's, he's, I, he's just like my own brother. I, I love him so much. And I had the privilege of telling him about Jesus Christ and, and leading him unto the Lord. And he called me and he said, did you hear so-and-so's mother died? And I said, yeah, he called me earlier this morning. He said to me, what does a person do when someone, they lose a loved one and they don't believe in God? What do they do, do you think, John? And it was, it's pure him. He, he always asks me these types of questions about his faith. And I said, you know what? I'm not sure what they do, but I believe that's the reason there are so many alcoholics. I believe that's the reason so many people turn to drugs. They try to hide their sorrow or the, their, their anxieties or whatever it is they're going through. They don't know how to deal with it. They turn to something else that will help prop them up. See, I always, I always got in trouble when people say, you Christians, you know, you use Jesus Christ as a crutch. He's doggone right we do. I can't believe that people deny it. No, no, not me. I mean, come on. Well, of course I use my Lord as my crutch. He's my crutch. He's my rock. He's, he, he establishes me. So that's set. Now, what do you use for your crutch? What is it? What is it that's your crutch? And everybody has something they lean upon. Everybody. And so I said that to Mel. I mean, my friend and... and um, and so we had a chance to pray with each other and, and, and pray over that situation. You and I cannot take a person any further than where we are in our walk with our Lord. It is our responsibility to grow in our faith. Look what, look what, look what Paul said to his spiritual son, Timothy. Look at, look at 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 20 and 21. It's up on the screen. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 20 and 21. I happen to really like this place in Scripture because, well, let me show you with you why. It's, there's too much to study in it, so I'm not going to try. I'm just going to read to you these two verses and try to explain a little bit about it. Paul says to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 20, he says, in a large house, there are not only gold and silver vessels, but he says, there are also vessels of wood and of earthenware, some to honor 
some to dishonor. I want you to note something there. He is not saying that the gold and the silver ones are for honor and the earthenware and wood are for dishonor. No, no, no. That's, that is not true. It, it's like within the body of Christ. Some of us look like we're gold or silver maybe, and some of us look like we're earthenware and wood, but, but all of us can be useful and honorable unto the Lord. And so what he is saying here is in some large houses there's silver and gold vessels and there's wood and earthenware, some for honor and some for dishonor. Then he says in verse 21, Therefore, therefore, Timothy, if anyone cleanses themselves from these things, and from these things are different things in 2 Timothy, which we won't go into right now. But if anyone cleanses, cleanses themselves, they will be a vessel for honor. See, the vessel for honor isn't gold, isn't silver. It is whatever. It could be gold and silver, but it is whatever. It is the person that cleanses themselves, the person that walks with the Lord in integrity. They will be a vessel for honor, verse 21. They will be sanctified. In other words, they will be set apart. They will be useful to the Master, They will be prepared for every good work. In other words, they will be faithful. Part of communion today will be you and me cleansing ourselves. It is a time to reflect upon if there's any sin in our life that we need to ask the Lord to forgive us and repent from it and turn and look at and remember what our Lord did upon the cross, His body and the blood that He shed for us so that we can be vessels worthy of honor sanctified, set apart, useful for the Master, prepared for every good work. So first and foremost, Paul says to the people in Ephesus, I want you to be on guard for yourself. Secondly, here's who else I want you to be on guard for, though. Not just yourself, but note what it says in verse 28, back in Acts chapter 20, verse 28. After you are on guard for your own selves, Paul says, I want you to take care of of each other. And says, Not only be on guard for yourself, but also be on guard for all the flock, among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. Now, I realize that this is written to leaders within the church, but I am of the mindset that God has made each and every single one of us in this, the body of Christ here at the Rock Community Church, as leaders, as equippers, as guarders, is that the right way to say that? You know, take care of one another through and in our area of giftedness. What God has given you to do and what God has given me to do is not special so that we can say, oh, look at us. No, He has given what He has given to you as well as to me so that we can build each other up, so that we can help equip each other, so that we can care for each other and love each other because no one person in a church, even this side, let alone this size, let alone two other services, could ever do it for everybody. It's impossible. We need one another. Therefore, I am of the mindset, folks, that it is not just for the leaders. All of us are leaders in one degree or another. Just as David, when he took motion that guy into this church, that, that was his caring. That was his using his gift. That was his being faithful unto the Lord to do what God called him to do. And God used that. And in that, he was a leader. In that, he was a guarder of this community. In that, 
He was someone who protected people and watched over people and then passed that person on to the next person that greeted him at the door, to the next person that said, hello to you. How are you? I've never met you before. Are you new here? Making them feel comfortable to the musicians who sing and praise the Lord and make him feel like he can worship and then to the speaker who, who teaches the Word of God, so that the Word of God can get planted in his very soul, so he can make a decision, rightfully so, whether he will follow the Lord or not, so that all of us can be innocent of all persons' blood, so that we can do what God's called us to do. I am the mindset that each one of us are leaders of a sort, just different gifts, so that you and I can build each other up. So that each one of us here at the church would have a part in building this, the Rock Community Church. And your part, as well as my part, is valuable. Valuable unto the Lord. Know why? Because He has given you your gift. And more importantly, look at verse 28. At the end of verse 28, because He purchased you and me, He purchased us, this church, with His own blood. Look at 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter, as you're going back towards 2, Peter, or 2 Timothy, go past it. Go past 2 Timothy and, and Hebrews and James, and I think you'll find 1 Peter, just before you get to 1 John. I want you to read these words because they're really, really, really a great place in Scripture. 1 Peter chapter 1. Verse 18. Peter says this. Verse 18. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18. Know this. That you are not redeemed, you are not redeemed. In other words, you have not been paid for with perishable things like silver or gold. In other words, Peter is saying, you can't buy. You can't buy this redemption you have. You have not been redeemed through gold or silver. You can't buy it. Secondly, he says, nor have you been redeemed from your futile way of life. In other words, the way you lived, you can't live good enough to be redeemed. It doesn't come through buying it. It doesn't come through the way you lived. You cannot be good enough to get into heaven on your own, and you cannot be bad enough that he won't forgive you your sins and accept you into heaven. And so it's not your futile way of living, nor is it, he says, look at verse 18, nor can you inherit it from your forefathers. In other words, what I was saying earlier, you cannot give it to another person. Impossible. I can't. If I could, I would. If I could take a bit of me here and give it to you, and a bit of me and give it to you, uh, I'd give it to you any minute. If I could, I'd give it to you. If I could, I would go kneel here. This is a part of me. It's yours. It's yours. I can't can't do that as much as I'd like to. I can't give it to my own son. My own son had to accept the Lord on his own. I cannot give it to him. He has not inherited his faith by his dad or his mother or anyone that went before us. How then? How? How? Look at the next verse in, in uh, 1 Peter chapter 1. Look at verse 19. It is done with precious blood as of a lamb, unblemished and spotless. He nails it, Peter does, for you and me. It's the blood of Christ that redeems you and me. That's what redeems us. So we're to build each other up. We're to encourage each other so that 
so that as a collective group of people, we will build up the body of Christ by the grace of an almighty God so that you and I might be equipped, so that you and I might know our work of service and finish the course that God has given to us. You and I have been called to feed. You and I have been called to grow and to lead. And you and I, most importantly, have been called to protect one another. That's the third part. That's between verses 29 and 31. Look. Paul says, you guys in Ephesus, you guys be careful because there are going to be some evil men that come in after I leave. Well, let's look what he says. He says in verse 29, I know this. I know after my departure, he says, verse 29 of Acts chapter 20. I know that after my departure, savage wolves are going to come in from among you. That's from the outside. They're going to come outside from outside the church. They're going to come in among you and they're going to not spare the flock. But it doesn't only happen from the outside into the church. It also happens within a church. You have to be careful with the people within the church. And he says in verse 30, from among your own selves, that's from within, people will arise speaking perverse things. The word perverse there means to distort. They'll distort the things that have been taught. And I'm, I've, I've heard, I won't tell you right now what I've heard, but I, they will distort the things that have been taught to draw away the disciples after them. Instead of following Jesus Christ, they'll want him to follow them. Therefore, he says, to the church at Ephesus, be on the alert. Be mindful. Be like the people in Berea that, that daily examined the scriptures to see if the things that they were being taught was true or not. Get to know the scriptures. Be on guard for yourselves. Be on guard for one another. Protect the church. Be on the alert. And here's what you need to do. Remember, Paul says, what I did. Remember that night and day for a period of three years, I didn't cease to admonish each one of you with tears. He is saying, look, do like I did. You've been called to feed. You've been called to grow. You've been called to lead. Most importantly, you've been called to protect one another. So be on the alert. Watch over the church that God has given to you and me. And protect one another from savage wolves, verse 29, from false teachers, verse 30. And how do we protect God's most valuable, precious gift, people? By commending them. Look at verse 32. Greatest verse. Really a great verse. He closes this message so powerfully. He says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to commend. I want you to entrust. Entrust them to God. But not only just to God. Entrust them or commend them to God and to His word of grace. It's always His word, folks. You cannot duck and you and I cannot hide. It is His word that builds up the church. He says, Commend one another to God and to His word of grace so that the word of God may build us up. That means mature us. Give us an inheritance. That means to give us the assurance of our salvation, and also it may sanctify us or set us apart from this world. You can close your Bibles. Let me just say, listen, as you prepare your heart to have communion, what the Word of God does when we commend you to God and to His Word, it builds you up. It matures you. 
It gives you the assurance of your salvation so that you will not be tossed here and there by every wave of doctrine. So as you prepare your heart for communion, we as a church, not me, we, we as a church, commend you to God. We commend you to his word so that it might, by the grace of God, build you and me up, help us mature. Give us that inheritance that we so richly deserve. And so it might ultimately, um, I forgot the third one. Uh, Oh, sanctify us, set us apart. You see, we're going to live in this world in which we live. You can't get out of it. Eventually we'll get out of it, but right now we live in it. And even though we're here in this world, we're not to be so ingrained that we become a part of it. We're to be separated from it. Our ways, the Lord's ways, are not this world's ways. We need to understand what he wants from us. So I'm going to be quiet. I'll give you an opportunity, maybe a minute uh, to, yeah, we got a little bit of time. We're doing all right. Just a minute or so to kind of reflect. And maybe you might want to ask the Lord if there's any sin in your life. If there, let me tell you what the Lord will do. He will convict you. If there's sin in your life, he'll let you know. If, if he doesn't convict you right now, just assume that everything's fine. And, and as you study the Word of God, more and more you'll find more and more there is some sin probably you need to deal with. But if you confess your sin, that the sin that you know right now, he will be faithful and just to forgive you of your sin and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness, it says in 1 John 1, nine. So I'll be quiet, let you just kind of reflect for a minute or so, and then I'll lead us into uh, communion with the bread and the wine, or juice. Jesus Christ was with the people that were following him, his disciples. He had what is called the Last Supper with them before he was going to go to the cross and to die for the sins of this world. With his followers, he, he, he took some bread and he broke it and he gave it to them and he said this. He said, this is my body. It will be given for you on the cross what he asked them to do is what he asks of us and that is to take this communion remembering who he is and what he has done for each of us how he has forgiven us our sins how he has shown us his love when we take this bread right now do so in remembrance 
of Jesus Christ. He shortly thereafter poured out some wine. And he gave them and me and you the greatest privilege that you and I will ever receive. A new covenant. He said to them, I have a new covenant for you. It is the forgiveness of your sin. This is my blood, he says. When you drink of it, do so in remembrance of me. For it will give you the forgiveness of your sin. The greatest privilege that any person could ever have. And so he says, when you drink of it, remember me. Father, uh, we're truly not worthy. We know that. But then again, we do what we do in your name, which gives us, Father, the, the most greatest privilege in the world, and that is to, to be united with you and to uh, sense, Father, your presence upon our lives. Father, would you bless each person here, each, each person, bless their lives, their families, their marriages, whether they be brand spanking new or some of us who have been married for quite a while. Bless them. Thank you, Father, for the, the people here in this building. Love them so much. Thank you, Father, that uh, I don't have to say like Paul that I won't see their faces again unless, that is, you take me home, which is fine. But, Lord, watch over all of us we go from here. May we be a people that understand our course. May we finish it. And may we do it faithfully. We pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Gosh, I love you so much. Have a wonderful day. God bless you, Renee. God bless you, Michael. God bless you guys. Love you so much. Have a great day.